So I showed it to the doctor, and well, she said it's smashing. In this episode of the Smashing Podcast, we're talking about learning React. What's React like to work with, and how can experienced developers get started? We chat to Mina Markham to find out. But first, did you know that Smashing Magazine publishes a brand new article to the website five days a week? That's a lot to keep up with, but we're here to help. It's your weekly update. static sites to end-user Jamstack apps with FaunaDB, Brian Robson helps us to make the move from a static site to an app by taking a dive into the world of app-generated content. Find out how to ingest and post data to serverless database FaunaDB, and then extend that functionality into a full-fledged application. Suzanne Skacker asks if your website is stressing out visitors. Stress isn't just something that makes people feel uncomfortable. It stimulates the urge to fight or flight. The very last thing you want is to design a website that stresses your visitors out, leading them to dread the experience or to abandon it entirely. In this guide, Suzanne looks at some of the ways to de-stress your design. In the third part of his Mirage.js deep dive, Kelvin Omir-Shone looks at understanding timing, response and pass-through by getting to grips with the mechanisms Mirage has for simulating aspects of a back-end server, such as a slow network, different HTTP response codes, and sending calls to the back-end while still having Mirage intercept them. In Building a Facial Recognition Web Application with React, Adonai David Abiodun explains how to build a facial recognition web app with React using the Face Recognition API, as well as the Face Detection Model and the Predict API. The app built in this article is similar to the face detection box on a camera in a mobile phone, able to detect a human face in any image fetched from the internet. And Timmy Omieni walks us through internationalization in Vue with the Vue i18n plugin, so that we can learn all about internationalization and how to implement it in a Vue application. Learn how the plugin can help you configure your app to work in multiple locales and enables your users to choose between them with ease. And that is your weekly update. Find all these and more at smashingmagazine.com slash articles. She is a front-end architect, conference speaker and organiser and lover of design systems. Her work on the Pantsuit Patent Library for Hillary Clinton's Hillary for America presidential campaign marked a watershed for design systems within the industry and was featured on publications such as Wired, Fast Company and Communication Arts. Like many of us, she writes code for a living, currently as a senior engineer at Slack. So we know she's a talented and forward-thinking developer, but did you know she was once mistaken for Patrick Swayze? My smashing friends, please welcome Mina Markham. Hi, Mina. How are you? I'm smashing. Good to hear. (laughs) Now, sometimes on the Smashing podcast, we talk to people about the subject that they're best known for, and sometimes it's fun just to talk about something a bit tangential. Um, Now, I could chat to you all day about patent libraries, design systems, the amazing work you've done in that particular area. And I could talk to you about subjects that you've perhaps spoken about on uh, events such as Event Apart, things like art direction. Uh, And we could obviously talk about CSS until the cows come home. But you tweeted a few days ago, and I realized that we're actually both in the same boat in that we're both experienced front-end engineers and we're both recently started working with React. So. 
before we get on to React itself, where were you coming to up to this point? What had you been working with other libraries and frameworks for JavaScript development? No, actually, I've been doing mostly vanilla JavaScript for a while. Before that, of course, I I got into JavaScript and by uh, let me rephrase that. I started working with JavaScript uh, using jQuery because it made the most sense to me. It was something that was very easily for me to parse uh, to figure out what was happening. And then from there, I just started, I backtracked to doing just vanilla and plain JavaScript, ES6. And I hadn't really gotten too much into the framework like wars. I had no like, I had no favorite. I had no dog in the fight. I was like, for you, React, whatever. I don't really care, but you know, times change. <laughs> and in the in the sort of way of working with vanilla JavaScript, because I've I've done a lot of that myself as well. I've worked with various frameworks. I've done a lot with with jQuery back in the day. I worked with the uh, YUI uh, Yahoo user interface library. Um, had had you felt many of the sort of pain points that something like React architecture tries to address? I don't think I ever had. Like I spent most of my career making websites versus like web apps and things like that so everything i did was pretty static up to uh you know to a certain extent so i never really had to deal with like state management things like that so the the, the react the pain points that react at, attempts to solve had never really applied to the kind of work that i did i mean generally speaking what's the sort of nature of the projects that you've worked with Re- with react so far um it's actually only been the the one project which i'm currently working on and i can't give a layer too many details because you know public company and all that good stuff of course but essentially what i'm i'm trying to do is I'm trying to um, use React to, it's a very interactive sort of product where I need people to be able to enter in and save uh, data at a certain state and then manipulate it and generate something else with said data. And that's just something that's, it's not simple DOM manipulation at that point. It really is a lot of like more um, complex uh, sort of manage of data and managing the state of said data. So it really was no other alternative but to use some kind of library that's um, attempts to solve that problem. Like I knew I wouldn't be able to get past with just plain JavaScript. Um, I contemplated maybe handling some things on the server side, but again, due to the very interactive nature of what I'm working with, it needs to be it needed to be in the client, and so. Um, yeah, we kind of we already use React at Slack for various other things, and so it's like, okay, well, we just should go ahead and adopt the same thing that the rest of the part of the companies are using, and go from there. One of the things that um, always seems to be a pain point with people picking up React is getting to grips with like the the tool chain that's needed to get things working. Yeah. Um, Webpack being a, an obvious <laughs> sort of elephant in the room. Yeah. Have you have you had to do much? Conf- configuration of the tool chain or uh, like me if you had the luxury of teammates doing it for you oh i love the infrastructure team at slack the data the front end infrastructure team at slack they handled all of that i didn't have to think about it it was great because i the, i've tried to learn react before in the past usually the way i learned best is by actually working and implementing on things and we use react to build a lot of hillaryclinton.com back in 2016 so it's not like i've never worked with people who use it it's just my work never directly needed me to get involved. But 
that code base was very complex and very like sophisticated. And there was so much happening that it was just so, it was such a barrier to entry to learn, to try to learn anything in there. If you didn't already know how React and Redux and all of that works, which I didn't. So I wasn't really effective in learning in that environment. Luckily here, (laughs) I do have people to like take away a little bit more of the complex bits of it. Like I don't have to worry about the Webpack config at all. Like that's been set up, that's been tried and tested, ready to go. Um, I am in a similar boat where we also use Redux in addition to React, which I didn't realize were two different things. I didn't know which part handled which. Like jumping into a code base like that it was a little disorienting because I wasn't entirely sure. Like I didn't realize that they weren't all the same thing. Um, I had people who were seasoned React developers telling me, oh, well, this is, we also are using Redux, which is makes it a little bit harder for you to like really learn what React all can do if you're starting from scratch. And I never quite knew what they meant by that because I didn't know what they were talking about. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, um, to answer your original question, yeah, I, I I am still having a little bit more of like a, a little bit varied entry because it's not just learning React. I'm happy to learn React and also how to use the Redux store. So those who think at the same time can be a little much. Yeah, I found exactly the same thing uh, coming into an existing code base uh, as my sort of first React project that uses React, uses Redux. And I think as is the nature of uh, any of these sort of technologies, when they're young, they iterate really quickly. And what's best practice, you know, at one point, six months later, has moved on and there's a different way of doing things. And when you have a code base that spans many years, you can sometimes have, you know, different styles of implementing things in there. It doesn't always keep saying. And of course, if you're following um, a sort of tutorial or whatever to learn, you're reading books, you're uh, using resources, they will be in the most modern version of of how to do things and that doesn't necessarily knit to what you see when you look at a an existing mature product is that something you'd experienced at all or is, have you managed to keep your, your code base really up to date um i think that is something that i definitely have been experiencing um i know that I've been looking at, when I tried to learn how to do React on my own, I looked at various tutorials and things like that. And I noticed that, or at least people have told me who have worked, uh, who've been working with me that some of the things that we do are kind of anti-pattern or some, or like not quite how things work now, because this code base is slightly mature, well, mature is relative, but it's a few years old. Mm-hmm. And so there's some, like, there are some ways that I guess are easier to do things than, than the way we're doing them currently, because this was written a few years ago. Um, so yeah, it's it's a kind of a, a little bit of a treadmill to try to keep up with, like, current times and make sure I want to do things the best way, but also, like, I don't want to break an established code base because i want to play around with stuff obviously one of the the things with react that people like uh, you and i coming to it, it it can feel a bit jarring is this this whole thing with jsx Do, are you using jsx in your project we are i am using jxx um have you made peace with that <laughs> i mean i i feel like a little 
small piece of me dies every time I open one of those files. I just it's, it still feels sacrilege to put my to put my HTML in the JavaScript file and to have like I know that's kind of revolutionary in the whole point, but it just feels like off to me that I'm writing my markup in a JavaScript file and uh, yeah, I I made peace with it, but it yeah, it just every time I do it, I'm just like. Ugh. Separation of concerns. It is a thing. I, li- I like it back, please. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's, it's a valid point, isn't it? I mean, my background, um, when I was starting to work more seriously with JavaScript, and this was probably when I was back at Yahoo, uh, things were very much um, on the model of, of server-rendered HTML pages and then taking a sort of progressive enhancement approach, layering JavaScript on top to enhance the interface. And if the state of something in the interface and needed to change your code had to know about all the parts of the interface that it needed to update which obviously leads you to a sort of a a tightly coupled approach with these sort of big monolithic views where the code you write needs to know about all the other code around it and i guess that doesn't really lend itself to a sort of componentized approach which you would take when working with a pattern library and a design system which is more sort of um, to your area of particular uh, expertise. Uh, I guess React lends itself more to that approach, does it? I think it does, especially with the being able to couple the very specific CSS to one JXX or one React component. And so that way it makes it much easier to do uh, to, to separate and only take what you need from the library and, and um, leave the rest. Whereas a a pattern library or design system that attempts to do something more monolithic with just one big like style uh, CSS file or something like that, yeah, it does make it a lot difficult to, you kind of have to take it all or nothing. So I I do appreciate that React allows us to do more like individualized, more componentized way of development. Um, even if I still wish there was a way for me to do truly like separate my presentation layer and my content layer from my interactivity layer. But that's maybe that's just me being a little bit old school in that sense. I definitely feel feel the pain there. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, the. The idea is that it's uh, coming, correct me if I'm wrong, my understanding is that rather than separating the technologies, the CSS and the and the JavaScript and the HTML, it's separating the um, the functionality. So everything that, that is one component all exists together. Yeah. Uh, which I guess is useful if that component then is no longer needed. It, you can just sort of delete it and it's gone and yeah, it, it doesn't leave a footprint around your app. Yeah. That's not always the not always the case with CSS though. How are you working with CSS with React? Um, Have you looked at things like style components or anything like that? Uh, no, we haven't. Um, I, I've heard of style components, but I've never quite looked investigated them very fully. To be perfectly honest, um, so the way that we're working with CSS with React is, basically, we have we use we write less and we just have. Um, a less file attached to each individual component that gets imported into that component. And then it gets bundled up via Webpack and served to the client. Are you using a system like BEM or something to to namespace them? Yeah, we're using BEM for namespacing, although the adherence to it is just kind of varied depending on, you know, who's writing 
what. But but yeah, we try to use a, a BEM namespacing pattern to make it a little bit clearer what uh, the purpose of each individual um, class and component is. And does that seem to be working successfully for you? I think so. Um, occasionally, it, it, it kind of have the same old problem of like i sometimes don't know how to name something like after a while like baby things is has always and will always be a difficult thing to master so um that's the only issue i have with is i occasionally just i have no idea what i should call a particular component definitely that's um a constant battle isn't it how to how to name things yeah I always end up uh, when working on a new feature or something like that. You you give a component and all the classes and everything the the name that the feature has got at the moment, and then by the time you come to launch, it's been renamed something else. So you have references to what the old name in the code, and and the interface has the new name. And it's I try to always name things um, based on the function or like the purpose of it versus things are a little bit more ephemeral because it's less likely that the actual like purpose of this component will, will change. Um, I also, I forgot to mention, but in addition to using um, BEM, we kind I guess we use uh, BEMIT or if, if you're familiar with that, it's basically the ITCSS plus BEM, both of which were created by Harry Roberts. Um, so I use like Hungarian notation to denote whether or not something is a component versus a layout object versus like um, a larger like pattern co- comprised of multiple components. And then from there, we use the BEM convention to kind of signify like the block element and all of that. And have you had to uh, do much sort of refactoring and, and deleting of of uh, components and things in your code base and had to deal with the issue of, of CSS getting left behind? Yeah. Um, so the non-React part of of my job of maintaining Slack.com is that's all just a bunch of less files that are being compiled for CSS. And yeah, I guarantee you there's a lot of zombie code in there because we've definitely iterated on things uh, a lot in the time that I've been there. And we don't always have time to go back and do the cleanup versus when we redesign a page or something. So it's it's overdue for an audit. I'll say that this is this is something that we've just been looking at in our React project um, and looking at how we approach our CSS. At the moment, we have a few big global CSS files for the whole of the app, and um, we do get this this situation where our our bundle size is just growing and growing and growing <laughs> and never gets any smaller, even though things do get removed. So we've been looking at things like style components, Tailwind as well is is uh, another option that we've um, oh, yeah. really seriously considering. Have you looked at Tailwind much? I haven't looked at it a, a lot. I, I am, I've been curious about it, but yeah, I've never, again, I've never really had time to dig in to actually see if it's something that I want to like try to bring into our code base. I was actually quite surprised because, I mean, like you, I'm a bit old school with um, with how to, how to do these things. I like nice separation of, of concerns and I like to write my CSS in CSS. And <laughs> but um, and of course, the, the approach with Tailwind is you have all these class names which feel a bit like inline styles that you're applying. And it, it feels dirty um, yeah and I, I i volunteered within the team to we each sort of took a technology to investigate if you know if they'd be a good fit for our problems and i volunteered to look at tailwind because i was absolutely certain i was going to hate it oh no but uh, <laughs> it turns out i actually i actually think it's, uh, it solves a lot of problems i was quite <laughs> i was quite impressed yeah i'm i'm 
sort of come around to a similar way of thinking because like I in the past would would much prefer to have one class comprise all of the styles I needed for a particular component and not do um, like one class a class per um, property as I, I believe Tailbone does or languages like it do um, for the similar reasons like I it felt very much like well I'm just writing inline CSS at this point like what's the, what why would I do this but as I've been developing more and more like I've created um inside of our slack design system I created a uh, a bunch of what I call utility classes that do things like add a bit of margin but a pattern and I've noticed that more and more I'm using more I'm using those classes in addition to the component classes so I'm like okay well Maybe I should revisit this whole this whole approach to doing a CSS like as a one uh, decoration at a time. Um, I don't know if I go that far, but it, it's definitely worth considering. Um, uh, computing seems to to flip flop in terms of of trends. Um, mm-hmm. You know, between thin clients and fat client sort of solutions. You know, we start off with mainframes with terminals. Uh, and then the PC era with Windows and Office and all these sort of big applications, and they were all getting really slow. And then the web came along, and that was just a, a, a browser, and all the work was being done on the server, and that was all fast and snappy again. Uh, and now we've gone back to putting all that work back in the browser with everything being done with JavaScript, things like React and the, the sort of Jamstack approach, where we're back to a sort of fat client. Um, I sometimes worry that we're asking too much of the browser. Do you think we're... Is this a mistake? Are we asking too much of the browser trying to do all this stuff in React? I want to say yes, <laughs> with the caveat of again, I my experience is very much contained to static to mostly static websites. I don't do a lot of product development, so maybe in that realm, this makes more sense. But from my perspective, I feel like we're a lot of the times using a hatchet when we just, you know, need a butter knife. Like, I don't know why we need all of this, like all of this, put all of this in the browser, put so much work and so much pressure on the client when we can do things much, I feel like we do this much simpler. Um, one of the things that I, that always made me a little hesitant to use React or not, I say hesitant, but what I mean when it made me viscerally angry and I like actively opposed it was when I would go to a website and literally like nothing would render because there was one console, there was one error or something like really the entire page is broken because one function broke down. Like it just kind of annoyed me that a lot of the times it was an all or nothing approach. Um, I, one of the talks that you had, um, that I gave at uh, AEA in the past and other places in the past was sort of talking about how to include progressive enhancement in not just your development, but also in larger of art direction and design of sites. And I would point out specifically examples of websites that did that didn't do progressive enhancement or any kind of graceful degradation. It was like either you have JavaScript and running in the browser or you get absolutely nothing. And it would be just like, a simple site that would present information about like the history of web design, which is one of the sites I actually talked about, the history of web design um, from like 1990 until now. It was a beautiful website with like lots of timelines, animation and things, but it also could have been rendered statically with just a list. Like there were 
there were steps in between showing nothing and showing that beautifully enhanced experience that I think got lost because of the way we've been approaching modern web development now. So would you say there are absolutely some categories of of projects that suit uh, a solution like React and somewhere it really shouldn't be used and it, you should be using more traditional methods? Um, I think that if your site particularly is like mostly static, like it was just serving up information, I guess I don't understand why you need a project like React to render something that doesn't have a lot of interactivity beyond just DOM manipulation. Like, I guess I don't see what what benefit you get from that. I may, again, I may not be working on the appropriate projects. I may not just have seen or found that use case, but I'm having a hard time seeing if it's just a mostly static site presenting content, not a lot of interaction, not a lot of interaction beyond manipulated DOM and doing animations. I don't see how having a, a React library helps you accomplish that goal. It's interesting because I, I, well, I know I'm not bad talking it because I haven't actually used it, but um, I see a lot of Gatsby projects and Gatsby being a uh, a static site generator um, that uses uh, React front end in it, and I see all the all the examples, all the themes and things they have available are all content based sites, are blogs, and a you know a recipe site and a portfolio and these sorts of things. And uh, there's something that I think actually that this isn't necessarily the right fit for something like React. You know, why isn't this being statically rendered and then progressively enhanced? Yeah. Um, it's not software. Yeah, um, I haven't actually used uh, Gatsby either. I've heard plenty of great things about it. But yeah, that's probably one of the examples I would think of where I'm like, okay, I I guess I'm just not seeing why that tool is necessary to do that particular job. Again, I don't know. Maybe it could, it's just because more people are comfortable writing in React than they are writing in something else. And it's just giving, providing a tool that meets people where they are. Um, I've heard great things about static site generators that use React for people who have used them and love them, but it's just, it's not a use case that I would have immediately been like, oh, that makes sense. It seems like there's always been this um, a, a sort of battle between what we would call a website and what you might call a web app. Um, and the, the sort of the chasm between the two seems to get it be getting wider and wider and wider. Um, whereas a, a progressive enhancement approach tries to bridge the gap by taking something static and uh, adding javascript and adding interactivity um but it seems that things like react are ideally suited for software that you're running in the browser would you agree with that i would definitely agree with that because it feels like it's was built for that type of environment it was built for running software. I mean, it was built by Facebook for Facebook. So it was built for a product. It was built for running an, a, 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 whatever you call a web app in the browser and not necessarily for the type of work that, I, as I mentioned, I'm used to doing. So I think in those scenarios, it definitely makes a lot of sense to use it if you're building a more complex, more sophisticated piece of software that's meant to run inside of a browser. But if you're building a, a marketing site or whatever, I, I guess I I'm, I would still struggle to see why it would be necessary there. So are we giving people permission to still build decent, statically uh, rendered websites? I would love to see more of that happen. I feel like that's kind of gotten lost and it's sort of lost its 
if it ever was cool or whatever. I feel like it's sort of lost, like it's, we've lost that part of love development. And it's funny, I just, I said, you and I both said that we're kind of old school, but I, and I laugh at that because I've actually been doing love development for like, what, six years now? How is, how am I old school? Like it hasn't been that long for me. And yet somehow I, I, I'm like the, I'm like part of the old guard who doesn't like new and shiny things. Like I don't get it. <laughs> so in fact, uh, React has actually existed for the whole time that you've, uh, you've been a web developer. You know, maybe I just have an old soul. I don't, I don't know. I think that's, <laughs> I think that's probably the case. Um, I, I've, <laughs> I've not looked personally at the um, there are server side rendered approaches you can take with uh, React apps. Had you have you experienced any of those? Um, I haven't experienced any of them. I briefly looked into them for the project I'm currently working on because I feel like there's parts of the operation that um, would work better on a server versus in the clients. But I think because of my my limited knowledge and the fact that um the code base is a little more complicated than I can understand, I wasn't quite able to figure out how to make that part work. Um, I would love to figure it out eventually, but I got a little. I spent a day digging into it. I was like, you know what, this is I'm I'm not grokking this the way I need to be, so I'm just going to back up <laughs> and take a different route. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think we've we've all been there. <laughs> yeah, like I went down a path. I was like, oh, this is this is dark and scary. Let's 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 reverse. Let's reverse. <laughs> step step away from the code. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So you've 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 been um, very diplomatic and and polite about React so far. I I, <laughs> I sense that there's there's some tension bubbling under the surface of it. I mean, come on, tell us what you um... really feel. <laughs> I have been polite and diplomatic, mostly because, you know, the React fan base can get a little, they can get a little mean sometimes. And I would rather not have them come for me. So, like, please be, it's, React is great. It's wonderful. Use it for what you want to use it for. Um, but um, I, I kid, but that even that tweet that you mentioned about, you mentioned at the beginning of this uh, podcast, where I said, I think literally said is that I don't hate it. I don't love it, but I don't hate it. Even that statement, I got people talking about, well, th- there was no literal, but it was more like, oh, well, you know, I, there's, they were ready to leap to the defense and say, well, I love it because X, Y, Z. I'm like, that's, I didn't say it was bad. I just said that I'm meh about the whole thing, but apparently being meh, it's not okay. I have to like, love it. <laughs> and, um so yeah that's why i probably have been a bit more diplomatic than i um uh, would ordinarily be just because like i don't want people to think that i'm bad now because i'm not it's it's it has a place in moral development it serves a function it does its job well people love it it's just not a tool that i've ever had or wanted to use until now yeah things can get very tribal can't they with um people feeling like they have to they have to take one side or another and you're either absolutely for something or absolutely against something and i'm not sure it serves uh, a good purpose and i don't think it really moves us forward uh, as an industry and as a community to to do that yeah it's really it's really odd it's, it's kind of it's fascinating to watch from just like a like a sociological standpoint but it's also just really like weird to observe it's like if i i'm not allowed to just be like i said neutral about certain things i have to i have to have a strong opinion which is not i don't think healthy i think 
you know, the term, what's the term, like, strong opinions loosely held. I, that's kind of the way I go about things. Like, I feel strongly about certain things, but it's not like you can't change my mind, where I feel like some people get so, their identity gets wrapped up into certain aspects of it, that if you are not, like, for whatever they've chosen to identify with, it's a slight, a personal slight versus just, I don't care about this particular topic or tool or whatever. Yes, I don't know if it's uh, made worse by the fact that we all are uh, sort of tending to specialise a lot more in particular parts of the stack. And I know there are people who are, you know, React developers. They would call themselves a, a React developer because that's what they work in and they don't necessarily, you know, they wouldn't necessarily write any, any vanilla JavaScript or wouldn't use Vue or whatever. React is their world. Um, so it, I guess it almost feels like a... a uh, an attack on their entire career <laughs> to say react <laughs> i don't like react well they they're really invested in making you like react or or whatever the technology may be i i will admit to being one of those people in the past about um i think it was about actually probably it was mostly about SaaS. i believe like i was very much uh, uh on the team of like doing SaaS as a preprocessor and all the preprocessors are trash and we all want to talk about them. I don't want to deal with them. And I, I realized that was a very narrow way to look at things. Like use the appropriate tool for the job, whatever makes you more productive. That's the right tool. It doesn't really matter what it is. Are there any technologies that we work with that, that don't have that uh, sort of uh, tribal feel? Is, is there anything that people are just happy to use or not use? I can't think. I can't think of anything. Wow. Um, no one has opinions about markup, actually. No. Uh, <laughs> I feel like, yeah, no one has opinions about, like, actual HTML and just markup. Just like, eh, it's there. They use it. Um, but, yeah, people have strong opinions about CSS and how it's either terrible or wonderful and the preprocessor wars that don't really happen all that much anymore. And then, of course, all of the tribalism within the various JavaScript libraries so you you would say your journey so far with react is still just yeah it's it's a tool it it does its job it went from uh curiosity to active and visceral dislike because of how prevalent it was and how unnecessary i thought that that prevalence was to meh i'm I'm now at meh (laughs) Uh, which again does not mean i hate it it just means eh. i think that's a good place to be i think we're probably all sort of stronger um as as technologists if we understand the value of a particular technology for its purpose we can evaluate what is good for for what circumstance and pick the right tool for the job yeah and that's that's kind of where i've arrived at this point in my career where I don't, I don't get really invested in any particular language or technology or whatever, because it's like, just whatever tool is most appropriate for what you're trying to do, then use that. Um, I've learned that there's a place for everything. There's a time and a place to do everything. And up until recently, there was no real time or place for me to use this to react library. And now there is. I think that's a good place to be. (laughs) (laughs) So I've been learning all about React lately, um, as as you have in, in the day job. Is is there anything else you've been learning about lately? I've actually learned, um, ironically, which is, I think, another language that has that originated in Facebook. I've been doing a lot of hack um, development, um, mostly because that's what uh, I use at, my, at, at Slack at my day job. Learning hack 
paved the way for me to get more comfortable using React because they follow very similar patterns, except one is server-side and one's not. Um, so yeah, that, uh, along with just in general, I've been learning more about the backend and how that works um, for various different reasons. And it's been, it's been a, a I've been stretching myself for the past couple of years and getting more and more outside of like my comfortable zone, like design systems, kind of libraries. Those are very, that's very much my world. And I'm very, I feel very good and comfortable in that world, but I've been stepping outside of it and doing a lot more, uh, a lot more server-side logic and API development and like database and data modeling and all of that. Like I've been doing a lot of that for the past year as well. I've, uh, I find that the more I understand about the whole stack about, back-end stuff and front-end stuff I help each one helps my yeah. knowledge of the other uh, i find i write better front-end code by having written back-end code and understanding yeah i think i feel the same way like now that i i have a better idea of like the entire like the whole um like yeah we said the whole stack of like how we we get from the data to the end client like it I find that I'm thinking about the entire pipeline, um, no matter what part I'm actually working in. Like I'm thinking about what's the best way to structure this API so that when I get to the template, I don't have to do too much like manipulating of the data I receive on that end of it. Like it's a lot of, it's definitely made me overall a better a better engineer. I feel like. If you, dear listener, would like to hear more from Mina, you can follow her on Twitter, where she's at Mina Markham, and find her personal site at Mina.codes. Thanks for joining us today, Mina. Do you have any parting words? Have a smashy night. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> this is Smashing. And that was our podcast. Thank you very much for listening. And if you liked it, please share it with your friends. Find us on the web at smashingmagazine.com, on Twitter at Smashing Mag, Smashing Magazine on Facebook, or in the supermarket by the cat food. Oh,